We would like to thank you for joining us for our first podcast. This is Looking to Jesus. My name is John Hines. I am the preacher for the Church of Christ that meets in North Ridgeville, Ohio, and I am joined by... My name is Daniel Sanders. I'm the preacher for the Norwalk Church of Christ, located just west of North Ridgeville in Norwalk, Ohio. And I'm kind of new to the area. Daniel, you've been here for a long time. Been here for almost 14 years uh, in this area preaching. Yeah. Uh, lived up here as well on a couple of different stints as well. So I've got about 15, 16 years of experience up in this area. Well, I, I appreciate you being on here. And we just thought we would start this podcast and just it's going to be a Bible based podcast podcast we're just going to look into scripture and see where see what it says about about different topics different questions people have maybe certain doctrines different things that different churches teach things along those lines and try to just look at scripture and, and see what scripture says the the title for the the title for our podcast looking to Jesus actually comes from a passage in Hebrews and it's in Hebrews chapter 12 in Hebrews chapter 12. And it's in the first couple of verses, as it says, Therefore, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat, and has sat down at the right hand, of the throne of God and just the idea of looking to Jesus and that he is the author. He is the finisher of the faith. We'll, we'll talk more about what that means uh, towards the end of the podcast. But when we think about looking to Jesus and I, I did a sermon recently and just talked about how the world thinks of Christendom, you know, and they use that term and according to Wikipedia, and by the way, all of my all of my favorite statistics come from Wikipedia because I figure it's on the Internet. So it has to be true. That's right. And because, you know, people can't go in and edit Wikipedia anytime they want to. But regardless, <laughs> regardless. And so Wikipedia said there is something along the lines of two billion people in Christendom. And those two billion people are divided up into around 40,000 denominations. And that's, you know, that's what the statisticians say. That was the Pew Research. And all of those people, all of Christendom, supposedly is looking to Jesus. That's supposedly what's going on. But when we when we think about it, we sort of have to ask the question. And, and what I wanted to begin with is, okay, looking unto Jesus in contrast with what? So my question for you, Daniel, is rather than looking to Jesus... What do what do people sometimes who do people look to instead of him? One of the things that I think people look into is they look to their family. You know, they they seek out their family. They believe in what their family is, whether it's family traditions, whether it's uh, different types of ideas that family have come up with. You know, I did I was point out a lesson just a few weeks ago where a lady's making ham. And right there before she gets you into stole the that story. I, I heard that sermon, by the way, <laughs> I always play that story off as from my mother and father. Yeah. <laughs> and it turns out I heard you. It's like, that's my story. 
<laughs> That's yeah. my sermon analogy. Oh, well, Go ahead, uh, the yeah. lady with the ham. Lady with the ham. And she cuts it off. Well, she, someone finds says, well, why do you cut off the end of your ham? And she well, I do it because my mom did it. And then it kind of goes back, well, my mom did it. You know, the next, so we're up to two generations. And finally, you get to the grandma or great grandma, whoever's made it, says, well, why did you cut off the ham? Well, we didn't have big enough pans back then. So yeah. we look at the idea of, of traditions being a reason or being right. something that we put our trust or our value in uh, over God. Yeah, and everybody has traditions. Yeah. Everybody's got traditions. And actually, the Bible talks about traditions both in the positive and in the negative sense. Negatively, of course, you have the Pharisees, and they teach as commandments the traditions of men. Yeah. On the, in the positive sense, though, Paul, I think, in speaking to the Corinthians, says, keep the traditions as I delivered them to you. Yeah. So there are, you know, things that you do habitually, even commandments could be considered traditions just because you do them habitually. Yeah. But yeah, I think family, a lot of people, it's like, well, if it's good enough for mama, it's good enough for me. You know, why do you, and I, I didn't even ask you, what version of the Bible do you read out of? I usually use a new King James version. Oh, we're on the same page. This is going <laughs> to be great. Yeah. Now, why do you read out of the new King James? Well, because my first Bible was a King James, and I got tired of looking at the yees and the these, and just my second, third grade uh, intuition said, this is too confusing for me to try to figure out who the the, which, who was the the in this situation or something of that nature. So that's the reason why I went with that. What does your father use? My dad uses, he used to use a new King James, but I believe he uses a new American standard. Okay. A little bit more, a little bit more modern. I was going to say, I, I read New King James, and I think it's a good translation. Yeah. But when I was younger and first starting out, I didn't know. I didn't know why did I use it. Right. Because that's what Dad used. And well, that's how a lot of people are. It's like, why do you read out of the King James? If it's good enough for Mama, it's good enough for me. Well, you get some of the different translations where they start getting yeah. kind of far out there. Yeah, where you start it's getting so, into paraphrase stuff. So so much paraphrase. Or, you know, it's more, I know we're learning about different stories and and, yeah. and historical oh, yeah. events that took place but it seems more story-like where we get so far away and then you know you don't know you don't know what what's going on what's being said i can remember right. when i first started preaching gentleman was using a different translation the new living word translation yeah and i didn't know you know there was a lot of people that didn't know what was actually being said i mean it read a lot different than a lot of what other other bibles uh, may yeah. use but and my point is just we have to look to Jesus That's ultimately right. and that it's real easy to be caught up in to say, Oh yeah, I follow Jesus. And then someone comes along and says, well, why do you believe what you believe? Oh, well that's what my mama believed. Well then you're not following Jesus. Right. You're following mom. And you have, we have to, we have to make sure we're following Jesus. What else would be on your list that people might follow? I have things on my list. I would think that one of the, one of the things is, uh, cultural icons that people might be trying to use today, and you know, people that are trying to promote different types of religious beliefs, and how well whatever they say is true. It's kind of like the whole cliche of the, the whatever you see on the internet, what you were just talking about earlier about Wikipedia, how it, you you know you read on there, it must obviously be true. So everything that other people, whether it's social media, social quote unquote icons, people that are right of high prominence, they put their trust and their value in those types of individuals as well and kind of whatever they say is good as gold basically and they can't do anything wrong because they're just so popular and i you know i was just thinking of certain people in hollywood and they'll you know they'll attend some denomination 
but I think more what you're talking about, like social influencers. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's the way stuff goes. That's the way it's going. And it's like, well, it's got to be true because I saw it on TikTok. Yeah, exactly. And, and this guy actually read a verse and it's like, yeah, the, the devil quoted scripture too. <laughs> and you have to, we, we have to be careful because it's people can use scripture. People can also abuse scripture. And so, yeah, I think you're right, especially in today's day and age, it's, you got to worry about social, think about social media right? and the things that are found on social media. One of the things I had on my list, and you do hear about it, you do still hear about it when people are in denominationalism and you ask, why do you believe that? And it's, well, that's, that's just what the pastor says. Yeah. You know, that's what the preacher says. Mm -hmm. And I, you We've heard it in the church. I, I've heard it my whole life. It's like, why do you believe that about whatever? Well, because I remember when brother so-and-so was here in 1832 and he preached us, you know, it's like, well, was it in, is it biblical? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm glad brother so-and-so believed that, but bottom line is you have to look to Jesus. That's right. <laughs> and I've been wrong about stuff before. I'm assuming you've never you never have. That's right. That's, I've never, never been wrong before. I won't, I won't confess your sins. <laughs> if my wife's listening, then she'll say something different. <laughs> but, you know, you we have to make sure we, we are looking to Jesus as the author and finisher of our faith. Some of the other things I had on my list, worldly wisdom. And, you know, as the gospel was going out and the gospel's going around the, the Mediterranean coast, and eventually the gospel is going to get to places like Athens and Corinth and Greece and, you know, in those places. And that is that is the seat of secular wisdom back then. It's like there there's a reason. I, I think that sort of played a part in the fullness of time because you have the Greek philosophers that the Roman Empire adopted, by the way, and... And that was the height of man's wisdom to the point that 2,000 years later, people still refer to the Greek philosophers. You know, and you can talk about the Socratic method and you can talk about things along those lines. And when the gospel gets there and when Paul's writing to the Corinthians and he talks about the message of the cross and he says to the Jews, it's a stumbling block because they had a lot of trouble believing that the son of man could be the son of God. But then he says, but to the to the Gentiles, though, to the Greeks, it was it was foolishness. And and it's like, wait a minute, why would why would deity die for mankind? And it, it didn't make any sense. You know, just as I described that, I'm thinking of when Paul was in Athens and they just wanted to hear something new. They sat around all day long, the Stoics and the Epicureans there in the book of Acts when it talks about it. And there Paul is in the, oh, what's it called? The, the Areopagus. And they wanted to hear something new. And Paul starts talking about the resurrection of the dead. And they mocked it. Mm-hmm. They mocked the whole idea of it. And it's like, wait a minute. I thought you guys wanted to hear something new. Well, here's something new. And they couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe that they, they couldn't believe in, in Jesus and what Jesus had done. And so when we think about worldly wisdom, and I, I made a point a couple months ago, <coughs> worshiping at a place, and we were talking about 
Oh, we were we were kind of talking about the the tech titans of today, the the Bill Gates, the Steve Jobs, and I, you know, the um can't remember who runs Apple anymore. Can't remember the guy's name. Tim Cook, the Apple guy, the Amazon guy, Zuckerberg, Facebook, Meta, whatever. All these guys, and it's like they've done amazing things. They've created amazing technologies. Tell me one of them who's figured out death. You're not going to do it. Not a single one. And it's like they can they can do whatever they want to. They haven't figured out an answer for death. Only Jesus has done that. And so we look to Jesus as the author, and, and that starts getting to the finisher of the faith. I don't know about your list, Daniel. The last thing I had on my list was ourself, that we have to— and I'm just thinking of the account of the foolish farmer in Scripture. Yeah. When he says to himself, self, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Yeah. Take yeah. your ease. Eat, drink, be merry. And the Lord says, you fool, tonight your soul will be required of you. Then whose will these things be? And that's what, I think that's ultimately the biggest problem is denying ourselves. Would you say that's pretty fair? I'd say that's, that's a pretty fair analogy, you know when we learn about the, the struggles that we face with ourselves, the battles that we face, there's one that comes to mind. Well, it comes to one to my mind is for instance, when you got someone that's suffering from alcoholism and they're going into AA, what's the first thing they have to do? They have to admit that they have a problem in order to be able to go through the different step program. They've got to be able to admit I'm the one who's got a problem. And that goes back, to the whole idea of self. We have to realize that one of the biggest struggles, one of the biggest hurdles that we face in this life is ourself. What's holding us back from being able to seek and serve God is not someone else or something else. Yes, the devil is trying to cause us to stumble, to turn us away, to get us to struggle in this life. But it's relatively, if we look at it, it comes down to ourselves as the biggest hurdle, as the biggest obstacle that's caused us from being able to not look to Jesus. If we're able to overcome self, then we're able to look to Jesus. We're able to understand what Jesus has done being the author and finisher of our faith. You know, after the account of the rich young ruler, and when he leaves sorrowful, Jesus looks around and and talks about how hard it was for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Peter makes a comment. Peter says, we have left all and followed you. And I, I like to make the point, they they had left a lot. Mm-hmm. They had left their business. Yeah. They had left their home in, in a way. They they had left a lot. But I like to ask the question, have, have you really left everything until you've left yourself? Because we're, we know where Peter's going to stumble. And he's going to stumble when Jesus is going to the cross. Yeah. And you can you can leave everything else. But ultimately, if you haven't left yourself, you haven't left everything. And there's a reason Jesus says, whoever wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. And until you're ready to do that, I, I'm mindful of the Old Testament. And you have all of those plagues on Egypt where God was condemning their gods. was one of the things he was doing. He was judging their gods. And the last plague was the death of the firstborn. And all of a sudden, everyone from the dungeon up to the Pharaoh. Because in Egyptian culture, who was who was one of their gods? And it was Pharaoh. And that whole idea of self-worship. And like, no, 
you you have to you have to deny yourself. So when we talk about looking to <coughs> Jesus, you know, we talked about family. We can talk about social influence. Talk about man's wisdom, and then self. And we we have to we have to look to Jesus. And if we claim that we're a Christian and we're following those we're following those individuals, or if we're following any one of those, then frankly we we are not following the Lord like we should be. The, the next thing I wanted to do, to look at, a little more at the context, look unto Jesus. Let's see, back in our original passage, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Talk to us about the witnesses, Daniel. In the context, who are the witnesses and what is it talking about? And by the way, I, I have a tendency to fly by the seat of my pants on these podcasts, so I don't like to give people a whole lot of warning. That's all right. And, and I mean, you, you know, the whole chapter before that, what's chapter 11 all about? It's all about the different examples, heroes of faith. Yeah. There have been so many different people that have been known, for instance, there in Hebrews 11, being individuals that were remembered for their faith. And not just... Any type of faith, it is directed towards God. Yeah. It, it, you know, we see these different examples. When we look at the many different examples in the Old Testament, in the New Testament as well, we read about individuals that were being followers of God. We see, you know, the, the, the triumphs that some had, maybe even sometimes the failures that some had, but they were all left as it, they left an example for us as these witnesses that have been followers of God that yeah. have done what we re- what we get to in verse 2 and none of them none of them were perfect none no. of them were the messiah they all stumbled from time to time yeah. but what's pointed out is not their stumblings what's pointed out repeatedly is their faithfulness their faith and their works the what the, their their faith yeah. their 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 not just the acknowledgement of God but the faith that's put into action and so when, you know, to just go through quickly, and it, it's an interesting list because you think about what each one did and what they had to overcome. And so because it goes all the way back to the beginning, who's the first? Is the first one Abel? Yeah. Mm-hmm. First one there in verse four is Abel. And so you think about Cain and Abel and how they both brought offerings. Right. And yet Abel's was accepted. Cain was not. And then we know what happened to Abel. Because Cain ends up killing him. Yeah. But that's what Abel had to deal with. But it's talking about worship. And from the very beginning, it's like Abel worshiped God in a way that was acceptable to God. That's important for us. Absolutely. That, and you just think about that example. One of the next ones, and it's not, you know, we're skipping around a little bit, but you think about Noah. Noah living in the midst of a godless world. As we read about in Genesis, it's like, man, the sons of God were going into the sons of men, and you had intermarriages happening, and it was becoming more and more godless. Yeah. Until finally God said, enough. And he saved Noah. And Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You don't think there's an application for us today? It's like, if God could do that with Noah, can God not also do that with us? Absolutely. And so we think about Noah's faithfulness. Abraham, there's a good bit in Hebrews 11 about Abraham. One of the one of the big points, this is the chapter where it talks about, and, and you know, we just said talk about denying yourself. And Abraham had to offer his son. 
and he had he offered his son what he held mo who he held most precious outside of the Lord. But he was concluding that God was able to raise him from the dead. This is the chapter that has that verse. This is Hebrews eleven at verse nineteen says concluding that God was able to raise him from the dead, raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. That's faith in the resurrection. And he had faith in the promise. Well, we are also partakers of the promise of Abraham, according to Galatians. And so yes. there's an application for us. Absolutely. We see that there's that application of, uh, you know, the promise that Abraham was given, we're going to receive the same promise. Yep. Not any, not a physical land, yeah. but we're talking as we look yeah. here in Hebrews chapter 11, just prior to what you just read in verse 16, they desire a better, that is yeah. a heavenly, heavenly country. country. Yeah. Yep. Very much so. Do me a favor. Read the verse about Moses. Where is it? Moses down in verse. Verse 24. Yeah, read verse 24 and 25 for us. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. So what? So Moses had a choice, and what were the two choices? Had choice been able to seek, uh, to be able to enjoy the pleasures of being Pharaoh's son, being able to be there in, in his presence, being able to enjoy all the physical blessings or suffer the affliction of being the uh, quote unquote, the whipping people of Egypt because Egypt was concerned about what Israel had been growing and becoming this great nation and being able to overpass. So we're going to, enslave them, put them to work. I believe in Exodus it says that rigorous labor or that intense labor to be able to just make them put everything to work, doing it with brick and mortar. If you ever work with that stuff and having to do that stuff, that's labor intensive. It's like, and Moses chose that. He chose chose God. He chose God and God's people rather than Pharaoh and Pharaoh's people. There's an application there for us. There absolutely and is. And to think about his faithfulness, um, just for time's sake, Rahab. Rahab had the same choice to make when Joshua, when the spies come, and Rahab had a choice to make. And she says, we've heard. And she's going to be in the lineage of Jesus. And of all the people in Jericho, her and her family were saved. Gideon, Gideon was a coward who God ends up using. And I think Hebrews kind of makes that point where it speaks about, oh, it talks about being strengthened. Oh, I'd have to I'd have to hunt for it. But within that passage, it talks about that they were that they were strengthened. And that's Gideon, that he was, when we first meet Gideon, he's hiding. <laughs> that's what mm-hmm. he's doing. He's hiding in a threshing floor. And the angel says, you mighty man of valor. He wasn't a mighty man of valor. The point is, God takes the weak and strengthens them. There's an application for us. Barak. Barak is an interesting interesting one because in Judges, when it talks about Barak, remember what Barak says to Deborah. Deborah's the judge, and it's time for Barak to lead the army. And what does Barak say? Do you remember? I'll go if you go. <laughs> and that's okay. You know, not everybody is a David who's ready to go it alone against Goliath. Barak was not a David, but Barak was faithful. And he just says, if you go, I'll go. And Deborah says, okay. And they go together. And the kingdom 
God, God was with him. That's Barak. It's okay to say, I need help. And you have godly, you have godly help. Then you have Samuel. I think Samuel's awesome. We could just do a whole podcast on Samuel. We could do multiple podcasts on Samuel. He's great because Samuel was at that point of transition between the judges and the kings. When Israel comes to Samuel and they say, we want to be like all the other nations. And Samuel is so discouraged. And God says to Samuel, they have not rejected you. They've rejected me. And Daniel, I don't know about you, but but when your sermons, and it's like you're just preaching from God's word. And when it falls on deaf ears and you're like, they've rejected me. Yeah. It's like, no. They've rejected God. Yeah, it's a it's a stark reminder. It it hurts sometimes whenever you have di- difficulties like that, and you're trying trying to get something across, and maybe someone doesn't want to yeah. or not understand yeah. it, and then we kind of, we do take it personal. It's yeah. it's a normal yeah. tendency, but just like also, with Samuel, <laughs> there's just there's that exactly there's just that reminder that it's not just it's not just you personally. There is a rejection. Yeah that they have towards God and his word. Yep. If you're presenting God's word accurately and true and everything, doing what we're to be doing. Right. We have to shake, the, shake the dust off and yep. have to move on at times, unfortunately. Yep. yep. That's, I mean, that's what scripture says. So when we talk about looking to Jesus and that's why I say looking to Jesus, like the witnesses, because all the witnesses were operating in faith. And the whole idea of a witness, when we think of witnessing, Witnesses testify, and the testimony is not life is going to be roses and rainbows. The testimony is you're going to face trials. You're going to face persecutions. You're going to face a a lot of things. But you know what? If you'll keep your eyes on the Lord, uh, you'll be victorious. Yeah. And maybe not in this life, but when it's all said and done, you'll be victorious. Because you're looking to Jesus as the author and finisher of the faith. Talks about those in that list that refused to be delivered. And they died. They died for the faith. They died in faith. So we think about looking to Jesus in contrast with looking to anyone else. And we think about looking to Jesus like the witnesses. Our passage also there in chapter 12, those first couple verses, talks about lay aside. And and just to make a quick point, Hebrews 12, verse 1, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. It doesn't just say sin. It's lay aside every weight and sin. And there's something to be said about things don't... And let me get your take on this, Daniel. Things don't have to be sinful to be they may still need to be laid down the the weights the cares of the world there's different there's different things that you know like we could talk about influences we could talk about temptations coming our way we you know for instance i think about james chapter 1 where temptation it le- it gives birth to sin right well, that doesn't mean that you know if we don't give in to those temptations we turn away from those temptations you know we see that we are able to flee from those different things and being able to not give in to those sins there are different temptations that come our way that we just kind of just got to be aware of things that could alter us, things that could cause us to stumble, things that could, you know, there's, there's sacrifices that we have to give up or the sacrifice that we have to make in our life and being able to not allow those things to even try to weigh us down. Because when we start right. getting weighed down a little bit, then we become more susceptible to being able to let that 
creep in and turn into sin. And and there are, as long as we're in this world, we're going to have the cares of the world. Yes. But, and we know what Paul says to those who are married. Those who are unmarried care for the things of the Lord, but those who are married care about their spouse and how they, they, how they may please their spouse. And if you have a family, you need to be concerned about your family. But there are things that we will face in life, things like work, where we can just let work overtake us. Yes. And money is not the root of all kinds of evil. The love of money is, but work involves money, for lack of a better way of putting it. But we just have to be careful because in, in the parable of the sower, when it talks about the cares of the the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things. Well, what other things? It doesn't matter what other things. That's the point. That's one of the points you can make from this Hebrews twelve passage. Lay aside the weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Things may sin is sin should be obvious. Sometimes it's not, but obviously you lay aside sin. But there may be other things you have to lay aside too. Yeah. And if we're not running the race that the Lord wants us to run, we better be, we better stop and think. I'm reminded, I, I just was sharing this on our church page today, First uh, Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. There are things that we are to be aware of the, the weights that you were just talking about, right. the burdens that are put on us, the things that are put onto our shoulders that can cause stress and cause different types of, uh, of things that may cause us to stumble. Here, Paul gives instruction to Timothy, flee these things. Flee, for yeah. instance, as you were talking about there, the, the, the love of money. It's not just money. It's you know the yeah. love of it, the pursuit of it. Because we lose track, we lose focus of seeking and serving God in the way that he wants. And, and Paul doesn't just leave us as, as Jesus does, doesn't leave us there. He always offers some instruction, turn away from these things, but pursue it with this or pursue these things. And, you know, it, it's always interesting and in being able to see, you know, throughout the scripture, Jesus being one of those ones that teaches us, you know, things to avoid, but also doesn't leave us yeah. high and dry. He gives us the instruction. Here's what you need to be right. doing. He, he's not just he's not just it, against. He's, it's not just a, a list of right. don't do not do right. this, do not do, th- it's it's, do this. Don't do this, but do this. Right. You know, that's yeah. always a good. That's the instruction that we need to be able to uh, look forward to that hope of heaven. And there in First Timothy six, Paul does the same thing. You know, before he says flee these things, he says godliness with contentment is great gain. Yeah, that's like that's what you do. You're content. You're content with what you have. And so when we think about looking to Jesus and laying aside, we, we need to, we are commanded to run the race. We are commanded to strive to enter the straight and narrow. And that, that takes discipline. And we can't be a disciple without discipline. And so we have this concept. And then we'll, we'll close with this thought, the author and the finisher of the faith. What comments would you make about that, Daniel? I think the author one, we probably understand more just because that's the beginning. That's okay. This is man must be born again. Yeah. We, have, we It's all laid out for us of the instruction of what we need. But then as you look at the, the, the finisher right. of our faith, all the provisions, everything that, that we need to be able to achieve what's been laid out for us has been provided as well. 
And then as we look at this, there's no other, there's no other one. There's no other name as we read back in Acts where there's no other name given among men by which we must be saved. It's Jesus. Jesus is the, 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 the one who has been described and he is the one that has provided all of these different things, all the ability for us to have the hope and promise of eternal life. And we see that it was through him, through the life that he lived. And we know as we look, he lived and he died. So there's, we kind of think about it, the finisher of our faith, the one that has made everything possible for us to have that hope and promise of life. He went through it all for you and I, and there's no other one that can be able to offer those things. Yeah. And you know, the, those wit those witnesses who all died in faith, their faith, as, as we think about the completion of our faith and what is faith? It is, you know, what is it earlier there in chapter? The oh, substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Okay, so the substance of things hoped for. At some point, hope is completed, and you have what you hoped for. Faith, at some point, faith is made sight. And there's a reason there in 1 Corinthians 13 when you have faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. One of the points that people always make about that is, at some point, faith becomes sight. At some point, hope is realized. And it's love that continues on. And it's a wonderful thing that Jesus is not just the author of the faith, but he's also the finisher of the faith. And that you have the, the completion. And that it's, it's a strange thing to think about that in a certain way in heaven, there won't be faith. Because we'll walk by sight. Yeah. That we'll, we'll, be, we'll, be, we'll be there. Eyewitnesses of everything, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's our eternal reward. And that's what we look forward to. And that's why we take advantage of the author of the faith. And that's why we look to Jesus. Because we need him to be the finisher of the faith. And so that's why we remain faithful even unto death. Because, because we recognize where Jesus is. He's at the right hand of God. And... We know what he told the disciples, I am going to prepare a place for you. And if he's going to prepare a place, then he will welcome us. And we look forward to him. So we look to Jesus. So I, I hope this I hope this episode, this introductory episode, I hope it's been beneficial for you. If you're listening, we'll be sharing these things on, on various uh, places on our website. Daniel, what's the website for the Norwalk Church? So it is norwalkchurch.org norwalk church n-o-r-w-a-l-k church.org correct dot o-r-g okay and the church here in north ridgeville it is nrcoc.net that's nrc north ridgeville nrcoc.net and we'll we'll be sharing these things on there as well as spotify i believe and and we'll get all this up and running but we appreciate you we appreciate you following along with us and we hope that it has been beneficial for you. Thank you very much for listening as we look unto Jesus. Thank you.